I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, guys. Johnny V here. Um, The... Audio with Kelvin that you're about to hear is a little bit different than what we normally have. Uh, Kelvin was on a headset mic, which needed a lot more gain, and which means it picked up a lot of extra <laughs> uh, microphone bleed from Terry and myself. So Terry and myself are going to be a little bit echoey during this podcast. It's not bad. I've done as much as I can to fix it, but I hope you enjoy episode 410 with Kelvin Heimberg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV podcast number 410. And boy, oh boy, we it's have a special one. The first guest in person in this new studio. Welcome, Calvin Heimberg, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. He is jacked and ready to be here. I am. <laughs> All right, so a uh, couple of quick uh, updates and, and details for everyone. Of course, we've invited our United States Women's Disc Golf Champion in Haley King. She is traveling from Wisconsin down to uh, Idlewild or Burlington, Kentucky area. I don't know exactly where she's staying, and if I did, I wouldn't share it with you. But she is traveling that direction today, and she said she's going to hopefully be able to check in with us at some point uh, whenever she gets all settled in. And lo and behold, through the um, just some... Kind of good fortune and good luck for all of us. Kelvin's still in town after taking in a little bit of the U.S. women's, after the funky farms last week, and everything else, and, and just about to set sail, so to speak. No, I don't no, believe I don't, no. I don't believe there'll be any sailing. I think he's taking a yacht. You're going over to Finland, are The you? Titanic? Going to Norway. <laughs> okay, Norway first. That's right. Uh, PCS Sula Open. So let's start with that, Kelvin. Um, you've traveled internationally before, but it wasn't for disc golf. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, traveled to Europe before I traveled and backpacked there for a couple months in 2018. Uh, no disc golf involved in that. That was just for fun with some college friends. But, um, so yeah, I get to play European tournaments for the first time this year. Super excited. Uh, I've seen videos of them in the past and they 
look pretty amazing and epic, so I'm sure they're going to be great since they haven't happened in a couple years, so I imagine they're only going to be bigger and better than they were. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the crowd sizes at Sula and the European Open because we've, for the last couple events, we've seen some really, really good crowd sizes at the Preserve and what was right before the Preserve, crying out loud, uh, Portland? Was that the one before that? So yeah. it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so go back to 2018 just for a moment. You said you did that with some college friends, but you were you were playing disc golf in 2018. Yep. Explain your life in 2018 and what it was like then, and how co- uh, how playing disc golf well overseas wasn't wasn't a priority to you then. Um. Yeah. I mean, I graduated college at the end of 2017. Um, proceeded to work for basically a semester while some other friends uh, graduated uh, from college and uh, once they graduated we had the plan to go backpack in Europe so um, I had been playing disc golf I I didn't really actually get to play too much at the beginning of 2018 Um, I was kind of dealing with a back injury and uh, so I hadn't played much then but I backpacked in Europe for a couple months and when I came back I started playing tournaments again Um, it's pretty much when I started touring I, I flew out to Idlewild I believe I placed like seventh or tied for seventh, and then I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna try this for a while." So I flew back home, drove up to Ledgestone, and toured the second half of 2018. And I'm still driving around playing disc golf, so <laughs> I haven't stopped. Things have changed considerably for you. You're in a nice van. I got a tour of the van before. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah that you've uh, that you've sweet. built out. So you're officially yeah. living on the road in that sense. I feel like the vehicle you were in prior was a little bit smaller and maybe even some shared spaces with other players. Um, yeah, I mean, I I definitely there was, I mean, there was occasionally where I would travel around with like either Zach or madison or maybe someone else would hop in every once in a while maybe thomas or someone but uh yeah i drove a mazda 3 with a topper on it not a ton of space um definitely an upgrade now with the van so everything has a place i got like sink a fridge and a bed so a lot more amenities and just higher quality of living uh, what it was? Well, let's back up. Was it ever a problem when you'd stay at other people's houses for them to have uh, living arrangements or sleeping arrangements that were comfortable enough for you? You being a taller, a taller um, stature. No, not really. I'm kind of used to having my feet hang off the end of a bed or something. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I traveled around with like a fold-up um, foam mattress, like a trifold mattress took up quite a bit of space in the Mazda three, but it was pretty comfortable and super useful when I was, uh, staying at other people's houses, especially when they didn't necessarily have a bed. Um, a little, a little nicer than the typical air mattress. So, uh, going back to Europe just for a moment, when you were doing that with your buddies, what was the goal? What was the agenda? Was it as many, countries or sites were you were you knocking off landmarks and historical things or what what exactly was your your overall goal in that trip and how long was it um it was about eight weeks um i don't i can't say there was like too many goals we definitely did a little planning and had an idea of kind of places we wanted to go but we pretty much just had like a flight in and a flight out like i flew into berlin and then i flew out of london and i knew those dates and we had done research and had an idea of cool places we wanted to go but some of them we made it to others we didn't it was just kind of also seeing what travel was cheap or what everyone was feeling like there wasn't 
it wasn't all planned out, so we didn't like have everything just itineraried out. It was just if we really liked a place, we'd stay a little longer. If we didn't like a place, we would we would leave and move on. What an, I, I love the perspective, albeit it sounds uh, a little cliche in our world of like, oh yeah, after after high school or after college, I went backpacking across Europe. But clearly, people are doing it for a reason. And my guess, my question would be. How do you feel seeing so many of our disc golfers come here? You know, I think of the the Silvers and the Albert Toms and the, uh, you know, the Kristen Tatars and all of the competitors that have come here through the last few years. How, how do you compare and contrast maybe some of their experiences versus when you had gone over there uh, in, in terms of how that all works out for somebody just to arrive and then have a whole country to explore? Um, I don't know. Their their perspective is probably way different in the sense that like they're actually here for a reason. Like <laughs> they have places to be and tournaments to play. Um, I literally was just there to do nothing specific, just whatever I wanted to do. So um, there's probably different. I do think they're probably like just as far as like traveling, um, especially on tour. Like they're probably doing way more driving and just like longer trips than they're used to because i feel like everything over there is a little more compact uh doesn't really take quite as long to really get to a completely different you know country like uh europe's much smaller than than i think we all think <laughs> yeah what well, what would be you know whether it's a plug for high school or college or or midlife crisis or anything in between or just vacation what where would your plug be for where where where's a must hit area or experience that you would say that just is super memorable to you uh my two favorite cities were berlin and barcelona so what about those Any, any um, particular? i really enjoyed the food in spain um also just it was warm and <laughs> it reminded me a little home maybe i don't know um yeah I, I just i enjoyed being out there in spain and then uh, as far as Berlin goes, it was just a lot of cool history, and and that was cool. Okay. Cool beer gardens. Uh, okay. But you're 18, carry the... How, how old are you now? Right now, I'm 27. Okay. Your math checks out, that's all. Okay. Cool. Even though over there, I'm pretty sure, what, 16, 18 is probably how you needed to be in most of those places? I don't know. I was older than that, so I didn't, <laughs> didn't matter. Didn't care. Did it, not matter. It didn't matter. All right, I'm not trying to get you in trouble here, buddy. All right, well let's let's talk about what you experience. As uh, we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna continue to watch and see if uh, Haley, when she becomes available, will will get her to chime in and join us. But let's talk about your experience in the U.S. Women's this last week. Oh, I thought we'd go back to the celebrity. Event. Okay, yeah, that's even let's better. We'll start, go back. Let's start chronologically. Terry. Yeah, there you go. Let's go back okay. almost exactly a full week and tell us about. You know, the Funky Farms, your experience, you know, no spoilers about results maybe, but tell us about your experience, the Funky Farms, and uh, what we all experienced out there. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. A little bit different format this year, um, and a bunch of different faces, uh, a lot of a lot of new people. But, um, like, last year we all played, like, singles to seed ourselves, but this year it was just two different rounds of doubles. Um, the first round of doubles did affect who your partner was for the next round, but... Uh, yeah, super fun. It's always super fun. Um, laid back. Uh, the course is, you know, a little shorter and technical, but cool lines to hit. 
and um, definitely playable by everyone there. So, yeah. And, and, and I was going to say, who did you get matched up as with your celebrities? Because first round and second round, as you said, was different, but it was always a a, a pro and then a celebrity or Terry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I got to play uh, with the two NFL players that were there, um, Evan and Chase. Mm. Um, honestly, I'm drawing a blank on last names. So. McLaughlin and Evan Smith. Evan Smith. Chase uh, McLaughlin. Set a uh, former him. offensive lineman for the Packers yep. was Evan Smith. He has a sweet Super Bowl ring. Sweet, yep. I got a picture with uh, with it as well as I'm a big Packer fan. And then Chase McLaughlin, you said? McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Yeah. As he was a kicker for Cincinnati? That was his most recent... Um, that was his most recent team. I don't know if he's unsigned at the moment, but uh, he was playing, I believe it was the Cleveland Browns, not the Cincinnati Bengals, but I believe it was Cleveland Browns. Somewhere he's, his signature's on here. Some of you saw the Funky Farms uh, sweet uh, super color buzz that was, I guess it must have been made available. I saw somebody else that wasn't there with one of them posting online. So either that or they found the one in your van, Calvin. There's a few. <laughs> Ricky left a couple in my van. Oh, okay. So, uh, unique format. Describe, you know, I, I think I've talked about it a little bit, but from your perspective, like, what, what does that mean to have these celebrities who most of them, honestly, are in awe of you and the rest of the people there? Does that, does that mean anything extra special to you? Um... I don't know if it means anything more, but it's pretty cool to get to, like, meet other people that, uh, you know, like in the case of Evan and Chase, like, they've made it to the top of their sport, or, you know, unfortunately, you know, some of the people we didn't get this year, we, we missed out on some actors. I mean, it's just cool to see other people that have, you know, really put in a lot of time to their craft and been successful at it, and it's cool to hear kind of, like, their perspectives on how it all went and just talk to them some. I think one of the cool parts, exactly as you're explaining, is we have even had this really unique diversity and the variety of celebrities that have been there. Now we've had, you know, and if you include last year, you think about uh, Andrew Chef Zimmerman, who unfortunately we knew couldn't, you know, had to had to back out at the last moment or couldn't join us. But, you know, professional chef, uh, YouTuber, rapper, encrypt the rapper, a couple of NFL players, uh, Dylan Cease, an MLB player, then who we had last year. This year, we also had Casey DeSmith, who's a damn good oh, disc golfer. He's like a 970 rated golfer. Or even higher. Maybe yeah, higher yeah, now. At least yeah. that. Yeah. He was hitting know? some putts. Uh, I saw, I think it was just announced today, re- re-signed to a two-year deal uh, with uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm gonna go, I didn't, I'm gonna I didn't that. see that, but yeah, that's who he was playing for. Yeah, re-signed a two-year deal as their goalie. Um, I saw that just happen earlier today. And then, like you said, last year we had a couple more actors. We've got then two or three different MMA stars. I mean, it's it's yeah. really diverse. I mean, it would be cool even if it were like, oh, we have you know six ex-NFL players, but we truly have this, you know. Uh, Diversity. Yeah, and then along with uh, uh, Wes Finley of Revolution, who's yep. a drummer and one of the largest, you know, uh, most sought-after reggae bands. So it's, I think that's part of what makes it really cool. The conversations at, during the day and at night are anything but boring. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I definitely get to meet a lot of new people and definitely from a lot of different vo- uh, walks of life, so... It's definitely been cool. Uh, so we played that like last year, hot, 
maybe not quite as hot as the 2021 version, but muggy yeah. and hot, and then everyone got to go enjoy a little after after hours party. Is that a good way to put it? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, we had whatever uh, the meet and greet the day before the event, the event, and then there was kind of like a little party afterwards. So some uh, typical Wisconsin appetizers, meat and cheese was were mm-hmm. served. Yep, definitely. And then uh, some meat and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some Ben Askren uh, old fashions. I, the, the the drinks were uh, named after um, either some of our celebrities and or some staples within Wisconsin. So certainly a good time over there. And then the very next day, uh, we were starting off the U.S. Women's. So explain what what kind of your role was. How'd you stay incognito and and uh, what what did you see? Yeah, I mean, I was just out there spectating. Um, I didn't make it out there for round one to really see anything, but I was out there walking around for rounds two, three, and four, so I got to see both courses and uh, that the FPO played in Token and Elver. Um, there's really no staying incognito. That is uh, <laughs> not possible. But, uh, yeah, so I signed plenty of autographs, got to meet plenty of fans out there. Um, even though I wasn't really the show that week, I was – I don't know if people still picked me out. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was cool to watch. Um, pretty crazy to see the same lead card for, like, the entire event. I don't feel like you really ever see that. But, you know, those four ladies just put their pedal to the metal and just kind of kept their foot on the gas. You know, at the very end, I think whatever Val from Chase card had a chance kind of to win it, possibly. She made a really big pot on 18. I mean, it would have taken Haley some pretty big mistakes on 18 for anything to not go her way, but overall, pretty exciting event. Um, I feel like it was very scorable for a lot of people in the division. Um, yeah, it really felt like their scores matched more what we see with the MPO scores normally, where the hot rounds are looking at 8, 9, 10, 11. Yeah. For most MPO rounds on almost any Elite Series event, we're seeing those as your top-of-the-line scores and then a lot of fives and sixes. We got that for FPO this weekend, and it was honestly, from my perspective, really enjoyable to see them attack a course that was not, you know, I don't want to get into course dynamics with MPO, FPO, but it was just, it felt like it was catered more towards them versus the MPO. Yeah, definitely uh, played as more scorable for the majority of their field. Um, I, I can't really speak as their total scores all ended up and how, like, top ten. Terry just pulled it up here. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. Of course, Haley King, your champion at 30 under. Valerie had that scorching hot final round who shot five better than Haley and came up one stroke short of a playoff. Valerie shot 29 under. Owned Scoggins at 28. Katrina Allen at 25, tied with Maria Oliva at 25, uh, Evelina Salonen at 23, Aria Castorita at 22, tying with Hannah Blumros and Sai Ananda. So those are all the women that rounded out the, rounded out the top nine. And then to round out the top 10, we include then uh, Miss, uh, Missy Gannon, Natalie Ryan, and Sarah Hokum, all in a three-way tie for 10th place. Um, yeah. yeah. It has to be said, just like we do anytime you have a conversation on the MPO side, when you're talking about one of the greatest of all time, it's almost insane to scroll to 21st place to see Paige Pierce. Oh, no. I got a theory on that. Uh, oh, I'd love to hear it. Would you? <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, are you going to sound stupid? Probably. Okay. There's a really good chance. Okay. Um, a lot of people are talking about Paige's uh, calendar this week, about you know visiting family and doing the Jomez commentary and all the other stuff she was doing. I, I personally don't buy that much into that. As when Paige gets on the course, she gets on the course. I think she she's a professional. She can block all that other stuff out. I just think that the courses didn't cater to her, and not just the distance. It in the years that we've seen Paige play, she is most dominant when she's aggressive. She can't be super aggressive on these courses, or she'll blow past the holes, and so she has to disc down. And I feel like when you disc down to either a a, a fairway driver or a mid range. Is she as deadly with those discs as she is with her drivers? I, I don't know for sure, but I feel like maybe that hurt her in that she couldn't she couldn't be as aggressive as she likes to be. And when Paige isn't aggressive, she's not usually as dominant. So I, I think that maybe that these this particular style of course where it was birdie or die, and a lot of these holes were three hundred to three hundred and twenty feet, just didn't work for her. Calvin. You know, you know, Counterpoint, Calvin Heimberg, go. <laughs> um, we just got serious here. Point, counterpoint. Is this our new podcast? I don't, I don't think like aggressive is probably the right way to no? describe it. Um, normally, I mean, I think you're like, obviously Paige has an advantage when it comes to distance and distance wasn't really as big of a factor at this event. The par fours were short. Uh, the par threes, for the most part, there really wasn't anything too long. I don't, there might have been a couple that were, you know, in the 350 range, but I, I can't really think of anything that was much longer than that. So there was like four of them that were over 400 feet, I think, all weekend. As far as par threes went, or par fours, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the par fours were pretty short, and the par threes weren't very long. So I, I think normally you see Paige separate because she has more opportunities because um, she can throw farther, and when you know you use distance as a skill um it's not like it's something that she excels at so she gets the opportunity to pop her birdie as where the rest of the field might not on a certain hole and when everybody is putting for birdie all the time like it's kind of a putt off and she might not be the most dominant putter in the field i feel like we see not anymore you're right i think she's one of the she's really good from outside the circle um, yeah, I think she's been struggling a little bit inside the circle, which is really interesting because last year we heard at USWDGC some of these same uh, discussion points about these courses. They were short, they were you know whatever, and she won by twenty plus strokes. Mm-hmm. And and obviously you're playing a little bit different style of golf here, where it's slightly more wooded in some aspects. So it's I mean again, it's just a working theory that I don't know if she is as dominant with maybe some of her other. Some of her other discs, as opposed to some of the other women that can maybe just not have to worry about dialing it down to 85% or 80%. They're more at 90% where they're normally used to throwing anyway. So it's it's clearly a different skill to have to throw at 70, 80, 90%. And I, personally, I don't know if uh, that's one of the theories. One of I, the feel, theories. I feel like you <laughs> typically like... Like I don't, you, I feel like a lot of times you're just comfortable throwing at a certain speed, and then you just mm-hmm. choose the right disc for sure. that speed. So it's like I, I don't, I don't think like Paige was necessarily like dialing down her. You don't think so? Her speed. I think she'd probably just throw a slower disc than anyone else. But I could be wrong. I, I didn't really get a chance to watch Paige this week. Nobody so did. I, <laughs> I, no, there were definitely people out there no, watching she, Paige. She um, had huge galleries. There's definitely awesome. big galleries following Paige still. 
Um, I just did not get to see her play that much. I think I saw her throw a few holes, but um, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, it wasn't her greatest week. I mean, only she could probably tell you honestly why or what she thinks was the reason why. Um, but this will be one that she forgets very quickly. Oh yeah, I I, I have a is she she's playing. I'm assuming she's playing Idlewild, right? Uh, that's actually a great question. And I don't know. I'm not sure if she is because that. Obviously I mean, we've she's, got some she's currently listed as it, but that doesn't necessarily no. mean anything due to uh, how many players are. And the way a lot of times you do the pre-registration, if you just sign up for all the events at the beginning Correct. of the year, You're things change. Things change uh, during the year. Whether she's just going she, or not, she is not listed as currently being. Uh, through the PDGA, she's not listed as being part of the Sula event, and she is listed as being at Idlewild. Uh, she's also listed, of course, at being at the European Open, but not necessarily uh, at the PCS Sula. So, uh, and nothing for nothing, she, you know, she she doesn't need the Silver Series points, and that's not what she's currently concerned about. It's four rounds at two different courses. It's technically a silver series, therefore it doesn't fit what she's typically been playing, mm-hmm. other than being there from a PR perspective, uh, which clearly a lot of our players and are ex- doing. And experience, you know, and I experience, mean, and everything else. I'm just saying, like it's not it's not crucial that she's there uh, competing in it, but she is listed as being at the uh, European Open, and she's currently listed as for being at Idlewild. So I'm pretty sure. If, actually, if I think back to a social media post of hers, I feel like she said she'd be there. But okay, uh, real quick, I'll t- I'll touch on what we, you, you know something you guys were both just talking about when you're going back and looking at some of the stats, and and we all know this isn't a, what do stats tell you? Uh, yeah, this isn't a. <laughs> uh, th- this might provide some insight. Um, you look at 72 percent fairway hits out at Villarda on the first day and on the second day. 61% fairway hits on the third day, 56% fairway hits on the fourth day. I know there's some subjectivity to all of those, but really when you look at all of her statistics, like every single statistic, she doesn't even crack. She barely cracks the top 17, we'll say. she In C1X putts, that was her best overall stat really at 80%, and that was still 17th in the field. 18th percent birdie rate. She's usually first or second, mm-hmm. picking up more birdies than anyone. And then C2 regular. Just literally every stat. Not, none of these I mean, you can are get a, Paige, Pierce, Paige Pierce-like stats. Not a single uh, one of I mean, them. you'd have to go back and look at what her normal C1X percentage is this year. I, I don't know if it's sitting around 80, if it's if it's a, if she's normally a little higher than that. But it, it sounds like she had a hard time getting up, off the tee. Is what it sounded like, and that could be for whatever reason. So, yeah. I mean, putting didn't help her either. <laughs> Not when there's 17 people putting better than you, and probably all of them finished. Or I would, I would be willing to bet 70 percent of them finished higher than her on the uh, the weekend. Yeah, because um, we did see a, that that lead card. Haley King's a great putter. Own Scoggins, one of the best. Valerie Mondahano, while she was on the second card, is one of our best putters these days. Um, the the only exception was is really Evelina who's been having a rough putting season and her first three rounds were in the 80s it was just that final round when she kind of old, old habits unfortunately reared their ugly head so anything jump out here i mean now this is including this last weekend where we see Paige Pierce her C1X putting is 74% prior to this weekend it definitely was a little bit higher um 
anything else jump off the page? I mean, not really. I mean, she putted about what she normally does, so putting wasn't really any different. I mean, C1 and C2 are pretty close. They're within, like, 5 6% on, on both of those. And honestly, they might have been better this weekend than normal. So, yeah, it seems like her tee shots might not have been as good. Yeah, well, Point yeah, John. fairway hits showing at <laughs> 73% kidding. here. <laughs> what did we say? She had 62, 62, 60, yeah. and, and 56. So, yeah, as we were saying, maybe it was just the not finding uh, the fairway and everything else stayed, you know, a status quo. But not finding the fairway certainly is going to take you out of position when you can burn yeah. every single hole yeah. on, on these two courses. Certainly. So, uh, do, did the two courses, you know, maybe that was kind of a question off the board as well, but did the two courses, you know, they were shorter. And I know that was a huge point of conversation at the press conference. They just came off the preserve at nearly 10,000 feet. Now we're playing two courses that are, you know, 67 or 7,700 no, feet. No, 60. They both were under 6,500 feet. I okay. So let's just, let's just for the argument, call them 6,500 feet, you know, so two thirds what they're used to playing is... It, has the FPO division outgrown the U.S. Women's Championships, or at least the same courses? Well, I, or could we just play short courses every once in a while? Yeah, I mean, I think we can definitely play short courses every once in a while. Um, I do. I just. I think as the sport continues to to grow, the courses are going to naturally get longer um, because. Uh, it's just a way that you can start to differentiate people. Um, not, not taking away from anything technical. You can also play courses that are longer and have technical things and elements. So, um, I do think you can play short courses every once in a while. I would like to see it probably be a little more balanced than it was this week. Um, like I, I think they could have had some par fours that were a little longer. Uh, yeah, there were a few, there were a few pin placements, that I didn't necessarily agree with, I'll say. And that's just a, a preference uh, between Token and Elver. Yeah. W- looking at watching the coverage, I didn't get a chance to get out to Elver in person. I walked both days at Token. Um, but walking that course, I was like, well, you know, maybe I would have liked to see this one in the long position versus the yeah. medium position. Um, but then again, when you do that, there's like two women that have a chance at birdie, unfortunately. And, and, Maybe that's what we do want. We want to be able to separate those two or three or four women that can get those birdies on a regular basis. Someone like, you know, Chris Nittar, Evelina, Paige, Haley, and, you know, whomever. Maybe Maria Oliva, the way she throws lately. Um, she's got sneaky distance. Because <laughs> um, she doesn't look like she's throwing it really hard, but it seems to go just as far as all the other women. Yeah, I think that there's something there's something but, to be uh, said about how smooth you yeah. know she really is when she gets up there uh, but, to provide that sneaky distance and just for just to put it to, out there, yeah, you're looking at sixty essentially sixty six hundred feet mm-hmm. uh, for the Token Creek course, okay. and you were looking at about sixty three hundred feet for the Alver course. So yeah, definitely different than you know just a few feet short of ten thousand. Uh, when they were at the preserve. And I think we we talked about this a little bit last week, but regards to the different majors we have, um, we've got, well, let's just take this year. Champions Cup is at W.R. Jackson. Long, technical, wooded. You've got uh, Worlds in Emporia. Wide open, probably, hopefully not too windy, distance. 
the European Open, which is on the Beast, which is relatively long. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the FPO setup for particularly with that one, but I'm assuming it's going to be long and European style. So relatively tight lines in some spots. And there's a few open holes out on the beast, I believe. Um, I haven't gotten research it. So I honestly don't mind, particularly for the women, going to a short technical course or a short course in general that, that literally will challenge completely different skill set. I wouldn't even mind seeing it on the for the MPO. Maybe not quite 6,500, but maybe closer to that. 75 to 8,000 range for MPO and make it really a, a, a real true deuce or die, kind of like the Preserve with maybe a, a few less par fours, because the Preserve is, I think, the closest thing we have in MPO to a deuce or die. You have to birdie almost every hole out yep. there. And having something like that for women, I'd love it, honestly. If the USWDGC never went to a course over 7,500 feet, I wouldn't mind and just challenge a different skill set. Let, I mean, we saw a lot of the same top women, but we saw a few other people who we don't normally see up there. I mean, Sayananda isn't necessarily known as a crusher, but she is accurate. She went like, I think I saw 64 straight holes without a birdie mm-hmm. or without a bogey. Without I mean, a bogey, yeah. like all, all pars. Birdie. It's great to see these other women be able to showcase the, the skills and the advantages they have over the distance throwers. So, yeah. And, uh, and again, to put it out there, Ida Wild. Typically plays the longest and toughest course, uh, longest round wise, and <laughs> and arguably the toughest course overall at ninety seven hundred feet uh, for the women this weekend. So from one extreme to another, yeah, quite the contrast that we're going to see out there. So and pretty I, crazy. And I bet you we're going to see a lead card that's going to consist of Paige, Cat, Ella, and somebody else. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't, n- I don't, not necessarily, but I don't. I don't think uh, Ida Wild necessarily just lends itself to distance throwers. You have to be good at scrambling. You have to definitely be able to hit the fairways for sure. There's a because... lot of holes there in that middle that are you can get really. We've seen the, the 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 KY hole as they used to call it. I don't think Paige has ever gotten clean on that one. She has a tendency to hit and just kick into the worst spots on that hole. Yeah, if you can throw far, you can also throw far into the rough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very uh, true. How and I know you're traveling overseas. You're going to this incredible event. I've seen both of the courses and the hospitality. Everything is second to none. Four plus days in Norway. So all that being said, how much of it pulls on you that oh man, I don't get to play Idlewild. I don't get to be challenged or try and conquer Idlewild this year. Does that does that pull on you at all? Um, Yeah, I mean I enjoy going to Idlewild. More so for all the side activities I get to do there. I normally stay with Zach Arlinghouse, mm-hmm. and his grandfather has a basketball court at his house, an indoor court. So, wow. um, generally get to do a lot of fun, balling. B- fun balling and stuff. But uh, no, it's as far as disc golf. Yeah, it's a little disappointing not to get to play there, but I'm sure we'll be back again next year. Um, it's always an interesting one. It's really hard to say who's ever going to win. I just don't really feel like there's. I don't know if people repeat win out there at all. Like I don't. Didn't we see Ellen Widboom win it? I mean, uh, yeah, she's won. She's won. Yeah, and she hasn't repeated. No, she's no. I'm just saying in general for winners. Like you're saying, no repeat winners that I yeah. recall. But it's, maybe it's been Paul a little has, mixture of everybody. Yeah. I think Paul's maybe won it twice. Yeah, it but, just, it's not common by any means. Yeah, it just seems like it's kind of anyone's game out there. Um, as I, there's just it tests a lot of elements of your game. If you're really throwing clean tee shots, it's going to be pretty easy. But as soon as you start getting off the fairway, uh, 
you have to scramble and you know if you're really good at scrambling sometimes you can turn scrambles into still scoring opportunities so um it's really cool i mean like last year we were you know a couple people not getting birdies on 18 away from like the biggest playoff ever <laughs> like yep. yeah um yeah if kyle and andrew hadn't birdied there probably would have been like six or seven people in a playoff for the win <laughs> so it was, it's normally super tight scoring and uh, i think it always makes it a pretty exciting one to play yeah, there's just no, there's no rest because you you think about the maybe even the eagle opportunity that always is on sixteen, then you head over to seventeen where anything can happen. And I know they changed up the tee to make it a little bit, I think, more straightforward in a sense last year. Uh, and then eighteen, I mean, that's those are two pressure pack shots. No matter yeah. how perfect your tee shot is on eighteen, you still have to execute a good second shot to stay out of those trees. And and a three feels like a damn good birdie, doesn't it? Yeah, three is a great score on that <laughs> one. So okay, and I know they've changed up the course a little bit this year. There's a few new uh, tee pad positions. I think we got rid of one of the holes. The one that I believe the one that eagle eagled hole two hole two is that no? I think it's three and four maybe that are new. Yeah, year. I believe three turned into a par four, yeah. and then yeah, four might be a new hole. Oh, okay, yeah. four, so different tees and different pins for maybe. I think three, three might be like the same tee, different basket. Okay, uh, four. I don't remember. Zach was telling me about it, but it's like a double water carry on four. I, I watched a little bit of uh, of Ezra and Brody thing today because I kind of wanted to catch up on the course and hole the new hole four. You play over the water need to get it about i'd say 350 feet maybe 400 feet and then there's kind of a wall of scattered trees you need to break through those and get over another body of water about another 250 feet it looked mm. like or 300 feet yeah, i think the hole's like 700 and some odd feet so your goal is to just make it over the first water not go ob left left leave yourself in a good position and then bust through the trees and get to the pin it'll be an interesting hole yeah um I'm trying to think of where where, where yeah. that means three is. I guess we'll have to do some research on that. Okay. Um, so what do you feel about, and I confirmed with Paul McBeth, he's another one of those people just like we were just talking about Paige a few moments ago, whether or not she's going to be there and who's going overseas and who isn't. Uh, I know Paul is planning on playing in Idlewild and then going over there. What made the decision one way or another for you? Uh, in terms of like playing it and then going as we're seeing a couple of our players do um well i don't think paul's playing sula maybe he is i don't know um because like the turnaround from from idlewild to sula sula starts on a wednesday so it would be pretty bad like even if you caught a sunday night flight get in sometime monday you're completely trashed for the next day like and then you play the event so i i don't know of too many people. I think James Conrad might be one pe- person that is doing that, but I don't think too many people that are playing Idlewild are actually playing Sula. They're um, probably just getting their stuff together and flying out mid the next week and showing up to Finland. Because um, I'm sure Paige has signed up for European Open yeah. and playing that one. But um, for me, uh, Sula is um, an Innova-sponsored event, and uh, they wanted me there, so... They reached out to me. It wasn't originally on my schedule. And, um, yeah, they just helped work everything out for me and got it on my schedule. And, unfortunately, that meant I missed Idlewild. But um, I got a lot of exciting things ahead of me at Sula. Um, I'm going to be there 
like a week before the event starts basically so i'm gonna have some free time to go do some exploring out there i know there's some pretty cool other other things that i've planned for me as far as just fjords yep some boat rides and then just some hiking and stuff so um it's gonna be a pretty exciting trip um some some fan stuff you're gonna get to do like signings or anything like that um i have to look at my itinerary again i i don't know i I check your palm pilot we'll take yeah i'll check my palm pilot and uh (laughs) if not i'll have to schedule something in there or something i don't know uh i I would love. I could gush probably for hours about the time uh, that I last had over at the PCS Ula. Uh, it was. Ju- it's just incredible. Some gracious hosts, uh, all of the I- experience, and then the views. And I said this a few weeks ago. I said when we were standing on the tee of one in Bailey for the match play, I said the only view that will top the view that we had at Bailey is when you're in Norway. I feel like that, to me, is... And it's similar, except for then there's fjords. So it's a a very similar look and feel. All these, you know, these glorious mountains, and then you also are playing alongside fjords, and yet, you know, just water everywhere. So it just adds to the overall beauty. And have you been to... You haven't been to Norway specifically, have you? Yeah, no. um, I haven't really spent any time in Scandinavia, so no Norway or finland so it should be pretty exciting uh yeah sula's in a pretty place on the coast so super excited for that um and yeah finland's gonna be a more of a disc golf centered week but um norway i'm definitely gonna have some free time to go see some some cool nature go find some of our ancestors yeah <laughs> midwest but, is filled with norwegians um how, how did i i always thought that the accommodations might be one of the challenges if we brought a ton of players over because the event was already successful and now i think about bringing even more uh i'll say foreigners more of us from the u.s to come over uh, what, what do the accommodations look like how does how does all that get taken care of and does someone like you or a handful of other guys do you guys rent a car or are there things that get arranged how does that all all that stuff work for you guys yeah, I mean, I, I think it just kind of depends on the event and who wants you there, how bad they want you there. Um, and, yeah, who who else is traveling that you're friends with? So, like, um, I mean, I'm definitely buddying up with, you know, a couple of my friends and Eric and Tina Oakley and maybe even Thomas. I'm not sure, like, when I go over to Finland, you know, renting a car because we're flying into Helsinki okay. and then, you know, renting a place. And Thomas has been there for, like, three weeks now or something. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas has been there for a while he's been playing a bunch of events um super cool um i didn't realize that anyone was doing that i guess he's probably the only one but, <laughs> well, yeah uh, <laughs> he wanted to keep it secret so he could uh make sure he could uh take home some of those titles i mean he, he's missed out on other events too uh <laughs> he definitely missed out on you know like the preserve and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whatnot so i mean he missed out his, on his chance for that one which is I don't know what events he, he's played, but it's probably a bigger title than anything that he played. So uh, I know he did well. Was it the Baltic Open? He won he the Baltic won, Open yeah. this okay. past I mean, weekend. That, that's all right. And yeah. he took seventh at the Yarva Open. Okay. So that that was for $865, and winning the Baltic was $2,400. So you can't really argue with the results, depending on... I mean, with Thomas, he could take anywhere from 1st to 20th here over on the... On this side, with the competition level, I think the competition level is probably not quite as high over there as we've seen. But is he signed up for anything this uh, upcoming weekend? Oh, as in, like, I'm sure he is. I'm sure. Uh, no, he's he's not playing in the Toonie, uh, or maybe he is. 
Nope. Uh, nope. He, the Sula is next, followed by the European Open. So okay. he's kind of got the, the same schedule now as Calvin. Okay. And uh, I saw that Nate Perkins is playing in the Tooney, uh, which is an event that I was at a few years ago, along with... Um, uh, along with Seth Muncy, who was brought there, along with uh, Eric and Tina and a number of others, and that that's going on this weekend. And I know that's that's they always kind of dub it like the the DDO of Finland, and it's yeah. the largest event that takes place number wise uh, over in Europe in the entire year. And Nate Perkins made the post, and he was there a few years ago as well. But he made the post that he's the only MPO competitor from the U.S. in the field. Uh, and granted, it's, it does have more of an amateur focus on the event overall, but uh, best of luck to you out there, Nate, and hopefully he enjoys all those beautiful courses that are all part of the uh, the Tooney event. What, how important is it to you, Calvin, that, you know, of course, this year it's Europe. Any other bucket list courses or, or destinations like Australia or Thailand or... Taiwan, any any other bucket just list? Just name off the places you've been. I, I was just trying to think of the Japan. places that I know of. But, <laughs> yeah, Japan Open. Is there any other bucket list places for you? Um, all those places would be cool to play. Um, obviously, the event has to be big enough um, to really warrant traveling out there, or it has to be you know not in the middle of the season to where it's going to interfere with you know the primary tour, which is like the main focus of what I'm supposed to be playing. Um, but yeah, all those places sound super cool, not even just for disc golf, but just to go travel to see, experience like some new cultures and, uh, just see different places of the planet. But maybe that'll happen at some point, but I, I'm not sure what the, uh, plan for events there is in the future. All right. What, what is it? What is something that I, I know you just said to see some new places, but what is something? Let's just say you had the weekend available, the finances weren't really the issue. What what excites you about going to see a new place or or take in a new experience for a course, uh, if it were to be international? Like what would have to be part of the draw? Um, as far as international, yeah. as far as the disc golf goes, mm-hmm. um, or the destination mixed with the disc golf, yeah. What would have to be? What would be some of the core components that you would need? What boxes would need to get checked? Um, I'm a sucker for some good scenery, so get some good scenery and uh, and good food. I like food, <laughs> so um, scenery and food would be the two main things to check off. Okay. Is Japan open on your radar? And I asked specifically because we've seen, I think I got an email that said, hey, you know, if you were signed up a couple of years ago, we're, we're kind of, you know, starting that starting that engine back up, so to speak. And there's yeah, some like things they're, they're working on. Scratch. So, yeah, does Japan Open interest you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely seen videos from Japan Open in the past. Um, it honestly looks like a pretty fun event. I've heard great things, really only good things about that event. So if it falls at the right time of of year i would uh definitely enjoy going there if it didn't mean missing too much of the you know normal tour schedule yeah i think i saw about yeah here's the email i got about the japan open 2023 it's going to be in uh mid-may from the 12th to the 19th next year it they are not it is not going to be pvga sanctioned Mm. so i think they made the decision that they're going to focus more on the uh as they called it the festival uh, that was the Mikunia 
Mikuni. I don't know. M I K U N I Mikuni. Mikuni Festival, uh, which is a Japanese tradition spanning around 300 years. So I'll be curious to see what type of turnout it gets from any pros. If it's not a major, if it's not even an A tier, is it? Yeah, there's is no it, bonuses on the line. Is there's... it going to be a destination at all on 2023, or is it going to be literally just maybe you, the people that really want to travel to Japan yeah. to play? What time of the year is it? Uh, Mid-May. Yeah, I was going to say probably around like the West Coast like Swing, Masters Cup, West Coast Swing ish. We'll have to see how it all lays out next year. Got to see the Pro Tour schedule first. I mean, well, Innova just might send you... I was going to say, you have to uh, sign up by like October 1st, <laughs> so you might... <laughs> there might be an Innova, an Innova-only jet. It's a bold assumption. Just, I'm just saying, like Innova-only players and just a jet for you guys and gals to go. That wouldn't make any sense. Um, I don't know if Innova has enough players to qualify that. I think it would make more sense to have... I mean... They do. Obviously, Innova has a very large selection of players if you go down the, the ranks. But I, I do think it would be kind of interesting to see like a Pro Tour scheduled jet if this were like a Silver Series or something. And just have everybody pitch in to whatever it would be to charter. I don't even know if that what that would cost to charter charter a jet. Just if chartering everyone, international jets. Yeah. I don't know what the hell kind of money you're making. Listen, but, Terry. Uh, Kelvin's, got my, Kelvin's got my share. I mean, if, if, if you... Oh, <laughs> nice guy. <laughs> he is. He is. It's all part well, it's, of a trade. He, I, I gave him some discs that he really is liked. Is that part of contract your Calvin? Is that the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll see. And, uh, of course, from a cultural perspective and just from an experience, as Johnny was just saying, w- Johnny went in 2010, I went in 2010 and 2008. It truly was uh, this incredible experience. And I know it's in a different location, but just the opportunity to get a bunch of disc golfers. And it's it's great because there's this crazy buzz about it already. As you said, that email that's come out that's kind of updating everybody that had signed up a couple of years ago, if it fits into the schedule and in the time frame, it, it would be awesome to see a large... Uh, swath or a large uh, collection of people heading over there again, if that's possible. All right, so um, that's what your next couple of weeks looks like, and then when you come back, <laughs> you're right back on the tour, and then you go to the hills of the Toboggan, and yep. it's over to D-Glow. Do you? I know it's a few weeks off and all, but do you sense some legitimate hangover? And will will all of our international players have a, a slight disadvantage to to the people that stayed state stayed state side? Wow, stayed state side. Um, I mean, I think I don't know. It really just depends on how well you can handle uh, the jet lag, or how it just it's really going to depend on how how good you are getting your sleep schedule back to normal. Um, I think because all of us that are going over to Europe have probably played the toboggan enough times to where like we already know what we really want to throw on most of those holes. So learning the course isn't, I don't think is going to be really the issue unless they changed it a bunch. That, they did. Oh, uh, well, we're all in trouble then. <laughs> no. Um, they changed it slightly on a few holes. Yeah, I, I don't think learning the course is going to be a huge issue. I think it's really just getting your sleep schedule back and um, – and yeah, it also depends on when when their flights are going out. I mean, I fly out Monday, the f- Monday after European Open, and even that's probably going to be cutting everything pretty tight as far as getting back. I fly back into Chicago, then I got to drive up towards whatever Detroit, Milford, Milford. Yeah, Detroit. and um, 
Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I've never, I've never had to like really have a turnaround like that, and it's hard for me to really speak on it. But I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue since I don't think there's a whole lot of learning a new course involved. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. If you're if you're flying out, I think I'll be doing the same. You're flying out Monday. You're actually getting back probably sometime Monday. Of course, with plenty of jet lag, but we're gaining quote-unquote gaining time coming back and then you're going to have that five-ish hour drive over to milford uh you know which you'll you'll probably be doing tuesday and and you know maybe one practice round is might might be all that it is and then you know some press conference and whatnot but i i'm guessing that you guys are mostly going to be good to go but yeah maybe maybe a few shots worse than we would have been (laughs) if we had the entire week and no jet lag but uh yeah i'm sure it'll all be fine and um Really, if you don't feel like playing in the event, why not just drop it? Yeah, I don't, know. don't yeah, play. I it. mean, what what did you think of that? The you know, and I don't know if you saw or if you heard the quote specifically, but a couple of weeks ago, Paige was talking about you know the tour and playing, and you know we know she's taken a very different approach this year specifically, and she's really backed off on her schedule. But she even referenced Germ, and Germ had said something to the effect to her of like. You know, I just, uh, you know, I don't even feel like being here. I don't feel like playing. And Paige's response to to him was, "Then don't. Like, yeah. no one's forcing you to. Don't don't play. Just enjoy yourself. Take some time off. I I feel like you're you're kind of echoing just that, right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't feel like you know whether it's mentally or physically capable of playing the event to your best ability, it's probably not the best place for you to be. You should probably be somewhere else." and getting yourself ready for the next one because i mean showing up like sure maybe you'll make some money but for participating and like shooting okay but it's shooting okay isn't gonna really do anything for you in the long run and i think uh making sure your head's where it needs to be is probably a little more important speak to that personally about your health because we've heard you talk about your back we've seen you take very rarely, we've seen you take a little bit of time off here and there. So, speak to where your health is right now, and and is it almost always your back when you're when you're uh, talking about your health? Uh, yeah, I mean, right now I'm good. Um, typically, if there's any serious issue, it's probably somewhat related to my back. Um, but yeah, everything's pretty much fine now. Um, I think everyone probably has some kind of weird nagging slash reoccurring injury that pops up here or there uh, a lot of repetitive motions in disc golf so just managing that and making sure you're good good to go is how it is but yeah i don't i haven't really taken too much time off as far as uh disc golf goes i mean since i've been touring i've played the majority of the elite series events i can't really there aren't too many that i've missed so uh and yeah i'm not i'm not sure if i've really I don't know. I, I don't even know if I have missed one due yep. to... Yeah, and, and I guess maybe with you specifically, I think, too, your philosophy about not necessarily taking on some of the Silver Series events, which clearly are more crucial to the people that really need those additional points or have an opportunity for those points. I mean, let's face it, those are a lot of the people that just simply aren't finishing as high as you as regularly. So you're making a conscious decision to not play in those Silver Series events, and maybe that's that's where I'm thinking you're taking some time off. Yeah, um, I definitely don't play all the Silver Series events. I think... uh... I don't. I don't think they're really that important. Um, it's not. 
it's not like something that like obviously if it's like your first win it's like it's like the b tier b tour like it's like and that's awesome but it's like once you've won something more it doesn't really feel like much i mean i won one of those last year at vintage and it didn't I don't know. It doesn't like I went. I went to the tournament, and it just it doesn't feel the same. You're not competing for the same stakes, and really, it's just like once you've achieved something greater, you're just trying to achieve the next the next thing. And I don't think going to every Silver Series event and keeping being tired and just frustrated playing every week is really what I need to be doing. I need to play the events that I still feel like I'm competing for something at um, that I feel is you know valuable and that's the majors in the elite series at this point um and typically if i play a silver series it's because i like the courses um and if you know yeah i I just don't think the points are really there for me to where it matters and i could better use that time to get my myself healthy mentally and physically and that makes a lot of sense for someone of your caliber as you're saying you know the silver series for maybe some of your mid mid-level players who haven't won an elite series but are on the tour regularly and I'll, I'll pick on him because I just watched this video someone like an Ezra who mm-hmm. hasn't quite won an elite series he's been up in the top 5 yeah. or 10 but a silver series where he might need those extra points to get into the tour finale yeah. because he because of where he tends to finish or or his partner in crime Brody someone like them a silver series does make or could make or break your season to get into that pro tour finale and give you the Nathan Queen chance yep for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, anything can happen once you get to that Pro Tour finale. I feel like a lot of the times the winner does come from, like, one of the first rounds. So, um, yeah, getting in is the first goal. And, if yeah, you need to play those Silver Series to get in. That's what you have to do because I think you're able to count a few of them, maybe. Maybe three of them this year. Um, I don't know. But they're only worth a quarter point. So, it's, it's really if you're, like, right on that bubble, maybe it can make the difference. Uh, our, one of our favorite people on the board, Stupid Idiot, says, Yo, Calv, can you please win Worlds and USDGC? Dang. Dang. That would be sick. That yeah. would be sick. I mean, can you do it? Yeah. Can you make that promise right here on Smashbox TV? I cannot promise that I will do that. I can promise <laughs> that I'll try. Uh, gosh, it's like a cop-out. Uh, so without me re- even realizing, and I, of course I pull up the Pro Tour standings, uh, well, I realized I was doing that, but I didn't realize... You're leading. Yeah. Did you know that? And do, does it matter right now? Uh, no, it doesn't really matter right now. Um, I mean, it does kind of for certain things. Match play, uh, not the Pro-Am, but you need to be in the top whatever to get into match play, don't you? So. Yeah. I mean, you need to be in the top whatever at a certain point to get invited to the match play. Um, but really, at this point, it, there's still a lot of room for fluctuation. It's like... Your people's worst events are still like going to be counted. Um, some people haven't even filled out and played enough events mm-hmm. to create their totals, I guess. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, it's like there's still a lot of moving to be done. Like we still have, I don't even know how many events left, but 40 it's or something like that. quite a few. Um, if you had your choice, I mean, obviously you want to you want to finish it the best you can all season long. Mm-hmm. But Going into the Pro Tour finale, you said yourself, some of the winners tend to come from the early cards, whether they get out, whether they're they're feeling hot or just extra course practice. Would you like to pl- start playing, maybe not first round, but second round instead of skipping, or do you like to have all the buy you can get? 
I mean, I still think your chances are are greater. Like not having to play around. Like only so many people are moving on each round, so it's it's still better to have the buys. Um, it's just the way it seemed to have turned out so far. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I really don't know why that's the case, but I know Chris Dickerson's won from the first round a couple of times, or I believe it's from the first round. I don't know what round Nathan uh, started in. It might have been. I think Nathan was a first rounder. Um, Dickerson did first round one year, and maybe he had a first round bye one year when he won. Yeah, I don't recall for sure. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been so long ago; those don't count. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not really sure why it's happened that way, but I definitely would rather just have the buys and. Yeah. And try to win from there. Should we, and I, I don't have any idea if this is changing anytime soon or not, but should we continue to see the Pro Tour Championships conclude and take place down there in Charlotte? How do you, how do you feel about that venue? Like, should it stay there forever? Yeah, or the next five years. Um, I mean, I, I like the, the course a decent bit. I, I do think... It wouldn't hurt to move it um, at some point. I I feel like the course is a little repetitive in the shots that you're asked to throw. So if you're kind of dialed on a singular shot, that it's like kind of like a as far as a righty goes, it's like a Heiser flip up backhand that maybe finishes a little right. Um, if you have that shot like super dialed in. You're going to score super well out there, and I don't know, typically when courses do that, uh, you see one person kind of run away with it because they just are super dialed with the single disc, and I'm not a super big fan of that. I think that's, there's another course that immediately comes to mind that does that that we play. Um, We've only played it once, Northwood Black. I feel like that course kind of does the same thing where there's like a certain disc slot that if you're super dialed in, you just kind of throw the same disc over and over again, and you can score pretty well out there. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, and obviously those shots are very difficult to execute. And if someone's executing that over and over again, that's amazing. They probably deserve to win, but I, I think it doesn't really test a, a variety. So I, I would, I would like to see maybe some changes on the course, or if we continue to stay there, maybe some whole changes. So there's be a little more variety. Charlotte has a lot of options. It, it feels like, the Pro Tour is in Charlotte. I don't say primarily because Charlotte's a phenomenal establishment, but it's so close after USDGC, mm-hmm. and USDGC has such a, uh, at least it used to, maybe it doesn't feel that way anymore, a release after you're done with that. Like It used to feel like, oh, I'm done with the season, but now we have this Pro Tour finale. It kind of feels like the Pro Tour finale is your finale now, so that you're not getting that same letdown after the USDGC, but nobody really wants to travel too far. It's not like you can put it six, seven, eight hundred miles away and still maybe get everybody there. Or maybe you can now because of the clout that it pulls and the money that they have. Maybe they could. We'll just play pretend, say in and don't attack me, web board, but in an Emporia or in a, a, we'll just say Texas or Kansas or Wisconsin, something like that, where it's going to be a, a, a couple day, a two day drive. We'll say. Yeah, that would be an interesting call and and if if that doesn't happen i essentially saying are we are we handcuffed to within so many miles of of uh 
of Charlotte or so many miles of Rock Hill? I guess that's you know ultimately the question that comes from that. It, well, depends, no? how, it depends how close they want to keep it to UCGC. If they want it just a, a, the next yeah, weekend or the one-week mm-hmm. break. I mean, the, the longer you can push it out, the further away you can go. But also... You're getting into that late fall weather. You're really limiting where you can have it. The further exactly. you get into that, coming up to Wisconsin in late October, yeah, it could be snow. It could literally be snowing. Yeah, uh, you real like quick, that, huh? uh, you, just, you ever played in snow? Nope, don't plan on it. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, just because we're talking about him, and normally we don't even bring up actually standings until the last week or two. But uh, Kelvin sitting in first, just four points ahead of Wysocki. Gannon Burr, 40 behind that or so. Uh, Macbeth in fourth. Dickerson in fifth. Conrad in sixth. Uh, Simon Lazat in seventh. And Joel Freeman currently sitting in eighth. And just for some parody real quick, fair, is it a fair question? Or, or um, you look at FPO, and I'll read off quickly. Katrina, Page, Valerie, Missy are your top four. I mean, nobody's surprised by that, right? I think Kristen will bump into there as soon as she fills out as many events as them. But, True. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that would be the biggest surprise. She's sitting at sixth, and she's missed events. So Yeah. Yeah, I guess when you look at her record, she hasn't finished outside of third uh, yeah. at any event this year. Clearly, the consistency is, is like no other. Uh, she does sit 300 points behind Katrina, 260 or whatever the number is, but you're right. I mean, obviously a lot less events. A lot less events, and we're starting to get to the point of the year where it's like Kristen will start to get a full total now that she's played less events. So, like, let's say she wins whatever. European Open or Sula. D-Glow, or, yeah, even D-Glow when everyone comes back to that one. It's like she wins D-Glow, and Cat maybe takes, like, seventh. Maybe the seventh doesn't even count for Cat. Cat's total doesn't move, and Kristen goes up 100 points, and she's made up a third of that deficit. And then, yeah, I mean, with the majors, I, I don't know if U.S. women's... Um, yeah, I mean, that's one of their majors, so I'm assuming that counted for 150% points. Mm-hmm. Kristen did not attend that, so she missed out on a huge total um, there. I mean, Cat might have... She Where did Cat finish? Fifth or something? Uh, fourth tied for fourth or so yeah so i mean i don't know exactly what the points is there but i know that's 150 percent. so she got over 100 points at that event so yeah she got yep she got 99.75 for her okay. tie for fourth so yeah yeah definitely um but i mean to Kristen's, so to speak advantage you know pierce who would have been another likely front runner only you know picked up 42 points so clearly didn't make any substantial ground or distance herself whatsoever when it yeah. cut, when it came to performing now of course they have a a few more majors to compete with this year but yeah it, it will be interesting to see how it shakes out and like you said Kristen tatar uh, it's it's sneaky, you know. You want to speak of, you know, you said sneaky distance. She's in a sneaky position where top three at every event. Clearly, she's just going to continue to rack up points. There's nothing saying she couldn't win the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings. In fact, I think the numbers would have to be on her side, assuming she's going to play all the events we expect her to see yet. I mean, yeah, I mean, she's numbers. She plans on she'll fill out that schedule with events because we're only allowed to count so many of them it's not like a complete total so yeah, yeah and Tatar's plan is to come back for worlds i believe and then make it the rest of the yeah way so uh pretty crazy it'd be great to see uh and then you know and our guest who i have not heard from so hopefully all her travels are going well and she honestly she may not get to a point where she can check in with us tonight she was hoping to be able to uh as haley was traveling from wisconsin down to kentucky um but to see because she's taken so much time off herself 
Uh, Haley only has a hundred, or I'm sorry, four hundred and fifty points at the moment because she's only played in seven or eight events. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven events. Uh, of course, she had the fourth at LVC to open the year, and the first just this last weekend, and a little smattering of everything in between. So uh, we'll see, you know, how much more we see Haley and what she, uh, you know, she's not planning on going to Europe, I don't believe, uh, but you know that means she might be a little bit fresher for both Idlewild and then also when we do have the Deglow. So. Yeah, she's been very vocal about skipping events and just maintaining a good, uh, I hate sort of mental health, but just in general, a good attitude and freshness on the course for what she's doing. Uh, and yeah. Derek <laughs> asked a very, very fair question. Uh, Darren, I apologize. Darren Eck said, did you for sure have the correct contact info for Haley? And this time, I absolutely did. Uh, sure. We exchanged a few messages back and forth on Instagram. And... Um, Yes, she, she yeah, I didn't get catfished or uh, or uh, trolled uh, in this case. But she did say she was traveling. Uh, she wanted to spend as much time with her family as she could when she was here in Wisconsin and then is traveling to get down to Idlewild. So, again, I, I can totally understand if it's something that she's not able to. I just figured there's no way we could skip the opportunity uh, to talk to our U.S. women's champ if she could join us. And quite honestly, if think we were clear about it quite a surprise you were in town so it was uh great to have you yep sometimes you get stuff shipped to terry's house and you gotta pick them up <laughs> let's go there for a second oh geez let's go there for just a second life on the road um life on the road but i i'm thinking when you wanted to get stuff and honestly i just assumed i don't know why but i just assumed it was going to be shirts like you needed some fresh shirts uh, that you were going to be taking, you were going to be traveling overseas, and maybe you know somebody was printing them up, putting some Innova logos on some shirts, and you're going to have a fresh, fresh set of shirts. A box arrived at my house today, and then yep. you and I arranged. You had to come up from our good buddy Dana Mites. You were spent a few days down in the Joliet area in Illinois, and yep. uh, you came up. I handed you the box. You open it up. Tell the tell the world what was in there. Uh, I got some shoes, you know, bought a couple pairs of shoes off of eBay, so uh, got some new Nike Freeze. Now, do they make those shoes anymore? Is that why you're buying them off of eBay, or? They, i just buying the old ones, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying the, like, the 2017 ones or something, so. Okay. So it's an older model with a little more pizzazz, a little more flair to them. Is, is that why you like the older model, or did they change up the shoe? Um... They're just, I just they're comfortable for me. Um, I think the soles on the newer ones are a little different, um, so I just like the old ones. And as long as I can find them, I'll continue to use them. Uh, all right. So I, is this is this an opportunity to to say to all the adoring fans out there to be on the lookout? We're looking for ni- like free like F R E E Z E F R E E Flyknit. No, no, there's no Z. It's just free. Nike yeah. free. Okay, free. Flying it. Fly 2017. Flying. No. Oh, no. fly knit. Yeah, it was like a K. Okay. Fly knit. Yep. It's uh, like a spelling test for Terry live on the air. <laughs> yeah. I'm I, trying I, to make sure I, I understand I, the words. I think it might be 4.0. That might be. The 4.0s. Wow. I mean, that's already in my Google you know, suggestions. Yeah. Men's. And what size shoe do you wear? Um, Either a 12 or a 13. Okay. Just depends on the shoe. 
So just just to put this all in perspective, I mean, and honestly, it's a question we get asked all the time. People, you know, I, I put a post-production or even live, and people are like, oh, what's so-and-so wearing? I've seen that question asked actually all the time. And so now we're getting we're getting down to business here as to what... We've got some players that are have shoe sponsors like ADO and things like mm-hmm. that. And last time I checked, you were not sponsored by Nike yet, but... No, I'm not sponsored by Nike. That's why I'm buying their shoes on eBay. I know. But that uh, is, uh, how's your luck been with Poshmark? I feel like that's an untapped resource for you. Yeah, I, I have not ever bought shoes there. That is an untapped resource. Yeah, so if you want to get on Calvin's good side, <laughs> buy some uh, of these Nike Freeze and then we'll... I don't know, send them, send them, send them to, <laughs> to Terry's house? <laughs> yeah, because they won't fit me. So trust you, me, I won't be stealing them. How long does a pair of, that, a pair of shoes like that last you? Because we've seen some of the great video of you <laughs> contorting your foot in those shoes. You, you don't seem to wear them How super How do they contain you? Super tight. question. I don't know. Do they contain me? I don't nothing, know. Do nothing you rip them out? Contain you. How long? Yeah. How long did they um, last? The top, like it, they never really rip out. I mean, I pretty much wear them until a hole wears down in the foam on the bottom. So they typically last a pretty, pretty long time. Okay. Um, way longer than people think. I also just don't think I like. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I necessarily like drive into the ground or pivot the same as everybody. Um, or a lot of people because or toe drag or anything like that. Um, I definitely drag my toes. I'll tear a hole in the top of the shoe first, and actually, I wear down my left shoe before I wear down my right shoe mm. every time. Okay. And it's not because I like throw more forehands. It's because I drag my <laughs> left foot behind me when I throw. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't even remember what the question was. But it's how long they last? Yeah. In general. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I would probably say like. Three months, two, three months, oh. probably. You go hard. Yeah, that's. I mean, three months. See, I mean, I understand yeah, you're when... professional and you're out there playing a lot, but three months does not sound like a long lifespan for a set of shoes for our. Yeah, but imagine playing disc golf all the time, mm-hmm. like all day, every day, and imagine what your shoes would look like <laughs> in okay. three months. Yeah, and, no. And uh, what, Jacob on the board says, Jacob, uh, I believe from Wisconsin here, says, why do you play in those? They have zero support. And like I you mean, said, you, dr- you drive your foot differently? or Yeah, I mean, I could ask why so many people play with the aggressive treaded hiking shoes. Like, how do you how do you pivot? Like, I don't, I don't know how you do that. I've tried it. I can't open up my hips when I play with a more aggressive treaded shoe. Or, and I also just hate heavy shoes. So, like, most of the time you talk about support, you're talking about a heavier shoe than what I'm wearing, and I can't pick up my feet already with a shoe that weighs almost nothing. So, imagine how bad it would be if I... I'm, I'm with you. I, I prefer a lighter shoe, uh, and, and playing in Wisconsin, you can't always do that, because once it gets to be fall and winter, warmth is more important than, than yeah. comfort. So, you know, if you're trekking through a very, very muddy environment... Or if you're off the fairway a lot, um, <laughs> you you may need a slightly different style of shoe. Or if you're playing in three inches of snow or you know negative ten degree weather, it, it's it's clearly a lot different. So, but for you, as you said, you have zero interest in that, and you don't throw off the fairway very often. So it, those shoes make a lot of sense for you. 
Have you, and I, I'm going to refrain from any <laughs> Pager Grady shoe jokes then, but have you, <laughs> as long as I laugh, that's all that matters, um, have you had any conversations with our uh, friends over at Edo Sports? Have they talked to you? I know they've kind of talked to a number of players, and, and is that a shoe that might align with the things that you need or are looking for? Have you had that conversation? I've not worn a pair of their shoes. I uh, don't think I've talked to them before, but... And if I if I have, I don't remember. But um, yeah, I, I've seen some people wearing them out on the course. Um, it'd probably be cool to try a pair on at some point, just see kind of how they feel, or just even get to look at one a little closer when it's not on someone's foot. Get a little bit better idea of how they're made and uh, how heavy they are, and look a little closer about how aggressive the tread is. Because as I said, like when I have super aggressive treaded shoes, I can't really open up my my foot. It just like sticks, and then everything your hip's going to blow out eventually so yeah i was gonna say that can't be good for your ankle knee or hip or something if you're not able to freely move the way you like to what what is i mean maybe this goes to the next question and we've seen a few of them throughout the year or years on the pro tour what is your favorite teeing surface in you know in a perfect world on your dream course what's what's the teeing surface um honestly a good concrete pad is probably my favorite teeing surface um i feel like pavers a lot of times can can be kind of iffy as far as just keeping them level and they also tend to grow like weird allergies on them for whatever reason Mm -hmm. and get pretty you can see those get pretty slick and then turf can be really good but can also be really bad depending on how they lay it down how tall the turf is um i've played on turf pads where the turf was like so tall it's like you step and like as it's compressing your foot's moving sideways like mm-hmm. it like the actual turf is like super stiff and it just bends at the bottom so you're you're planting and your foot's like shifting and do you win a playoff like that i was just gonna say <laughs> um, i'm just i don't know did you have a reaction? I know it's a little bit old news. Did you have any reaction when when there was a comment made about that? And I mean, you saw you saw well, people could see in obviously in the replay, and some saw it real time. Did you have any reaction to that? Um, you know, noticing that the turf had come up on Macbeth when you smashed him in that playoff and made him your made <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Not, nothing. Uh, when you all performed it. Um. To be honest, like in the moment, I didn't know okay. anything about that tee box. Um, it was more of an after thing that I learned mm-hmm. about. I actually think he, Paul might have even told me that he'd said something to me walking up to the tee about it, but mm. I, I don't remember that. So in the zone. Um, yeah, I mean, at that point, I mean, yeah, I mean, that sucks for Paul. Um, Granted, I'm, it's probably good I didn't hear it, but honestly, I don't really have issues with the team surfaces as much because I, I don't have those aggressive treaded shoes that are really driving and then grabbing the turf. So I think my plant is a little different than, than his, so I, it's going to be a little harder for me to have that issue. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean... It- we've we've yeah, seen you, other you players don't whine and complain and you're calling them <laughs> I, I know, we hear you um we've seen other players that have taken different approaches depending on the team surface you know if if it's you know if you're if you are playing in a lot of heavy mud you can see players maybe will go to a forehand instead because there's a little bit less movement um you don't have to worry about slipping on t pads or depending on what the surface is can sometimes 
affect or determine what type of shot you you decide to throw for better or worse. Yeah. So also going back to that just for a moment, were were you a tad emotional? Probably. You? I mean, you've been more warm. more than I mean, you kind of you you know, you've been memed in that you have this very stoic approach and and you're you're relative you're pretty straight-faced uh when it comes to a lot of things except for maybe Conrad's throw-in. No, I, or your <laughs> or your own throw-in recently at the preserve. You got you yeah. you got a little animated there. But I I'm looking specifically at that playoff. It there was and God bless you, we loved it, but it felt like there was a little additional emotion and, and maybe even tremble in your voice. Yeah, I mean, it had been a long time since I had actually won an event or felt like I won. Like, I don't know. I won, Like, the prior year, I'd, whatever, tied for Idlewild or Ledgestone and see, I can't remember what event it was. But, it was called. Yeah, the event got called and I was tied with Ricky. It doesn't really feel like anything and whatever. Like, sure, I have the trophy, but it doesn't feel like any of the other, the other wins. And, like, match play, when I won it last year as well, I mean, I I get these other formats are cool, but I don't know. Things getting reset, just it just doesn't feel the same as like going out to a tournament and grinding out every round, knowing every shot matters, and um, coming out on top, throwing less shots than anybody else. So, um, yeah, it's been a while. It was literally the time before that. I think that like I really had that feeling was was Jonesboro at the end of 2020. So mm-hmm. it had been a while, and. Uh, yeah, definitely felt good to finally get that feeling again. Um, so, yeah. Is there something to be said about Jonesboro? I mean, we talk about, you know, who who has advantages there. And I always say, I think anyone that throws far has an advantage at every course, just naturally. But yeah. a, a place like Jonesboro, does it set up that much better for your game than, we'll say, most of your competitors? Um. I feel like Jonesboro, yeah, it definitely benefits to throw far. Um, I also get to bust out the fairway driver a decent bit at Jonesboro, um, which isn't like you throw far. It's just there are some holes that may be considered like some bonus birdies that I get to throw a fairway driver, and I'm really comfortable with the fairway driver. So I typically score pretty well in those holes, and then I can score well in the holes where you kind of have to let a driver go and uh, go far. So, yeah, I definitely I play well at Jonesboro. Um I've played the event maybe like four times, and I think the first time I went and played, I didn't play necessarily great at the event. I, I was probably somewhere around like 20th place, and that was back in 2019. But uh, since then, I've played really well there. I think I've gone like first, second, first. So yeah, yeah that's um, definitely. I definitely play the course well. Um, so I would have to say it probably suits my game pretty well. Um. Jumping ahead, you were just talking about discs, and you and I had a brief conversation about it, so let's get into it here, that we've seen a new disc hit the market, and uh, break it down a little bit as to what that is, what it means to you, and and uh, give your plug for what the disc is and, and how it flies. Are you talking about the Toro? <laughs> yes, unless you have other um, discs we do. No, no, yeah, so uh, the Toro is a disc that i got to help um, design uh, with... Uh, Dave Donapace. I guess I didn't really do much of the designing. I just gave <laughs> feedback on different iterations of the disc, and you know, as far as feel and flight, and um, Dave Donapace kind of takes the feedback, and he has a lot of experience, you know, molding discs and having an idea of 
what kind of shapes are going to do what kind of flights and some of the feedback that was given you know between me and then some other pros was I guess probably a little surprising to him I think there was a couple things that he thought would go a certain way and that didn't um but eventually we landed on a mold um they made a, a new top and we got this the toro it's a overstable approach disc um kind of lower profile beadless and uh feels pretty good in the hand really good in the hand and <laughs> so does it go on any line you put it on yep yeah any line you put it on feels good yeah, I, w- I wouldn't i wouldn't grip. say i wouldn't say like <laughs> i don't know it's wind. it's like Good for all people of all uh, ages it's, it's a, and it's skill groups. It's a skills. utility disc. Like it's not, it's not going to fly dead straight for you unless you go and hit a lot of trees for a while. Like I, I haven't gotten any to just like go dead straight yet. So um, it's definitely overstable. It's on the slower side. It's just like a good disc for backhand forehand approaches that you kind of just want to swing in there and kind of settle nicely like instead of throwing your firebird into the green and getting like that little skip or having to like play for the skip like you can kind of throw a little more direct line and get it to sit a little softer oh you know again just for comparison's sake i think of things like overstable harps i think of zones i think of maybe even a pig how it's got a very different feel from a pig but yet i how does the stability match up? And we know, you know, Ricky, you know, for the longest time when sponsored by Innova really, I feel like, put the pig on the map. Yeah. Um, how, how, you know, how does it feel? Pig, Gator, Cayman, you know, all of those. Where does it, where does it all fit in, in in the Innova lineup? Um, Pig is probably the closest thing in Innova's lineup. It just feels different in the hand uh, than a pig. But as far as flight goes, pig is probably the closest thing. Maybe a little more overstable than than the pig at least the ones that they've run so far um it's possible if we get them to run them in like a pro or whatever the the color glow pro or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, ricky's pigs are running they might be a little less stable stable and um can you do that ask them to run it in a specific plastic will they do that for you i mean if you would say hey i'd love to try this in the special glow Sparkle. I mean, he's leading the pro tour. They better do what he wants. <laughs> you know, you know. Can, can you request that and see if they'll see if they'll do that for people? I mean, um, and then how? I mean, I could run? probably request that as like my tour series plastic at some point. But as far as just like a small batch run, not really. Uh, machine time's hard to get these days. <laughs> well, uh, after you win worlds in USCGC, I mean, uh, I'm yeah. sure they'll. Then yeah, I'm sure like there'll be a lot of machines. Every plastic you want. Well. We just have the Calvin machine that's pumping out Calvin Destroyers, Calvin Eagles, Calvin Toros. I mean, right? More of these? This is last year's, but... Yeah. I guess we just have to win USCGC and Worlds. No yeah, big deal. That's all you have to do. No big deal. I like it. All right. Uh, let's... Uh, I'm going to take another quick look. I haven't I haven't heard from the account that's run by this person named Haley King. Uh, Are you sure so, that's Haley King and not like <laughs> Naley King or Maley King? No, nope, or... nope. Uh, I believe that right. uh, that we are all. Uh, uh, well, we do have a little bit of other disc golf. Yes, news why don't we can talk Johnny? About. Why don't you rattle off some other oh. things that we've seen, uh, and then I'll touch on a few things as well. Well, the other big news, quote, I guess, disc golf related. Uh, Ricky Wysocki today yep. got to throw out the first pitch um, for the Cincinnati Reds game. I, I don't know who they were playing today. I didn't. I did not hear that. I don't know if it was. Well, I'm going to tell you. I don't believe it was the Cubs. No, they they were because Cubs Brewers are going on right now. Um, but and 
we have video of it. We yeah. do. Oh. Uh, they're playing the Mets. The, oh yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. It's the Mets. So I haven't watched this yet. It was. I have It's on either. Facebook, Bradchick. So are we betting he bounces it before home plate? No, uh, no. no Ricky's no. an old baseball player. Yeah, he is. He I is. talked to him. I talked to him earlier. He he offered me his spare his extra ticket, but I told oh, him what? right strike right minute. down the gut. Now they don't let him throw from the mound. Yeah. So just, I mean, you could joke about you know not letting him do that, but they literally don't let people do that for a couple of reasons. One, they don't want to play that again. Okay. We'll uh, replay. Uh, yeah, the catcher. Catcher like took catcher some heat. That was a, okay. It was a little outside uh, still, but very makeable or you know catchable ball there. I'm just gonna say, not impressed. That, that's probably not the normal catcher. I, I don't know, Ricky. I mean, either way, I mean, I throw it out to the board. Have we had a disc golfer ever do that before at, at an MLB game? Probably no. at some minor league at games. some minor league stuff. But I wonder if we've ever. I can't imagine that we've had. I don't believe. I uh, don't you know what? I, I take that back. I wouldn't be surprised if Dodgers? a maniac, uh, a Greg Hostel, oh, way back in the day, had maybe? done it at some time. Just knowing that guy's history. Sure. Uh, I could see it. I was really hoping, and I, I don't know how realistic it was, that he'd be able to maybe after the pitch go to home plate, grab a yeah, disc, and try to disc, put, try to put one over the wall or something like that. Just you know, it'd be embarrassing if he didn't put it over the wall. I I mean, it's usually what three hundred and eighty, yeah, four ten to the corners, three yeah three sixty three eighty to the corners, or he, four 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 oh four to the could easily do center. It. Yeah, but yeah, I mean. It would be embarrassing for Ricky to not clear the wall. <laughs> it, it, it would be. I mean, would you take that op- option? Major League game, you get to throw the first pitch. It's awesome. And they say, hey, would you try? Would you like to try to throw one over the wall? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah? Okay. And then, hey, look, there's the green monster. <laughs> it might be harder than the green monster. I don't know. Uh, uh, yes. So, very cool to see out there. Uh, congratulations, Ricky. I, you know, I, I one thing I'm actually surprised and a little bit I'm very surprised about and and almost impressed with is when it was posted that it was going to happen. There was a great graphic that was made from it. Just knowing our disc golf community, I thought you'd immediately just see your typical trolling and nails naysaying. I'm like, oh, why should you go do it for a real team or like just anything stupid, anything to possibly detract. From the cool experience, I like that, that you always I, look for the positive. I'm just saying that's what I genuinely expected, and for what I saw, I was actually impressed. Congrats to our disc golf community that could see the positive that it was as a unique experience. I mean, obviously, Ricky being from Ohio, um, sure, maybe it's not your favorite town or team, and maybe it's not the one he grew up in, but the experience is what mattered, and I think that's uh, I think that's pretty cool to see. So, yeah, Tim also mentioned Tim on our board mentions that he was on Cincy Sports Radio as well promoting mm. uh, disc golf and getting to throw the first pitch as to why he was doing it, I believe. so. Pretty cool. Uh, I know the other day when I saw him at, uh, at at Askren's, he had said apparently he had done something with NPR. Um, it is Him and Paige were walking up a fairway, and then at one point he's like, yeah, NPR. Have you ever heard of that, Terry? It seems like it's a big deal. I'm like, <laughs> yes, it is. NPR is a big deal, and it is pretty cool. So if there was some kind of tie or you got some additional exposure on there, uh, 
Yes, can uh, congratulations to him. A couple birthdays, because you know I love shouting those out. Andrew Zimmerin just had a birthday. We missed him at the celebrity. Uh, his birthday was, I think, just yesterday on the on the fourth. Uh, Kevin McCoy celebrating a birthday today. A long time smashy. And then the the two up and comers who we have talked about quite a bit this year, the Lynn's twins, uh, Jordan and Morgan, celebrating a birthday today. So both of them, uh, I think so. I think that's <laughs> that how that's that? usually how that's not all the time. I mean, but it's usually how twins' birthdays work. <laughs> is uh, they come in on the same day more often than not. So um, yes, so happy birthday to all of them. <sighs> all right, now what do we talk about, Vinny? What do you think? What what in disc golf has caught your eye? Anything? Have you had a chance to look in what's going on in the area or uh, the area of disc golf, so to speak? Not necessarily Wisconsin, but we saw, I believe. Gannon Burr threw in an ace today on skins. Did you see that? Yep, I was was there for that. Oh, you were there for that? I was there for that. I wasn't playing, but... it was preserve. That's right. Nope, it was was, uh, the following... It was at BRP. BRP. But it was right after the preserve. Yep, yep, I was was out there at that uh, skins match. And uh, yeah, he aced the final hole. Uh, spoiled it for you guys. Oh, um, it's been out there. I think most people know. Like, sorry if you haven't seen it yet. The entire back nine pushes, and he hits an ace. He's the last guy to throw on the last hole. And wow. He, and he aces. I don't remember exactly what hole number it's only. It might be 24, 27 out there at BRP, mm-hmm. um, the island hole. Yep. Um, and pretty much if he didn't put it on the island or make it, it was they were all going to go to Greg Barsby. So. Oh, because he was on the island? Yeah, two people had thrown out of bounds. Okay. Um, Ouch. Greg Barsby was the third person to tee. He put it to like 15, 20 feet, mm-hmm. and Gannon. So the basket got in the way? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It probably would have been you, out of you bounds. the basket, you're probably going out of bounds there. Yeah, he did throw a putter, but it, the basket's super close to uh, out of bounds. It, I'm pretty sure it was a putter. I, and it was a slow disc. but uh, It was his very first ace he's ever had. Yeah, I think he was saying Seriously? it's his very first first shot ace maybe really? i don't know maybe it, yeah it seems almost impossible to I mean, believe with how good he is and how long he's been playing he's only been playing for a few years he's okay. 16 or 17 now he's only been okay. playing for like three years uh, longer than that but no, he's I been playing longer than that yeah. i've seen pictures of him he's 13 no i was gonna say 12 or 13 12? but right. he's i mean he was also a thousand rated C- in 20 like 19 uh, but, i mean so he's obviously been good i guess is yeah. is what what we're saying Right. Huh. And, and as you said, maybe it's just you know a first throw ace where you walk up to the pad. I mean, I'm sure he's probably put them in from tee pads before, but maybe when you know in an event that actually counts, like hey, I'm walking up to this hole, or maybe maybe first tournament ace. I don't know. No, I think he was saying first it's first. his first ace, wow, but I think he maybe it's him considering first shot. Sure, that would make sense. Wow, that is certainly incredible. Uh, real quick, I, I, I'm going to backtrack uh, for a moment and talk a little bit about what we did see uh, for the U.S. women's uh, this last week. And, of course, some of the other winners. Uh, yeah, I know we talked about it almost at great length throughout the broadcast, but I, I don't feel like it can really be said enough how incredible the overall experience, the vibe here in Wisconsin. You know, Wisconsin 98 is when we hosted the in Am Worlds. Uh, now, 2007, we hosted another Am Worlds. 2016, we hosted Am Worlds yet again in Wisconsin. We also hosted Pro Worlds in 2007. So we've had a few of these large scale events, but then, of course, just this last weekend having the U.S. Women's a PDGA major. Uh, we already talked about Haley King, but uh, really, the stories, a lot of the stories were 
320-ish women when it was all said and done, which breaks the record for the amount of competitors. And then, you know, we fluctuated anywhere between 89 and, and 100 FPOs. It looks like it officially ended on 89, but there was... You know, even just going into the event, there was more than 90. And that's crazy because it was just a few years ago, 90 was the record amount of total women at the tournament. And then this weekend, we had 89 or 90 just in FPO. So very cool to see. Um, As we scroll down, I'm going to quickly read off some of our winners, all of the winners. Jennifer Allen won in FP40, and she did so handily by 10 strokes, picking up her major, Barrett White. If you're from the Midwest, you're used to her name. She wins all the time everywhere. She won handily in FP50. Peggy Berry won FP55. Pamaflage Renicki won in FP60. Congratulations to her. Another rough, a Florida representative there, along with Kelvin. Sandy Gast. Another uh, Florida. Another Florida takedown. Uh, Pam and, and Sandy are one point away from one another, but um, age just a little bit off, so they're in two different divisions. Uh, Jenny Darling in FP70. Emily Yale took it down in Advanced Women, which I think she did largely in her third round is where she gained the difference. Kim Keen, who's a Madison and Wisconsin local, who Johnny and I very much played with and uh, and knew growing up. So Kim Keen in FP or I'm sorry FA40, uh, Aaron Fitzpatrick in FA50. I'm going to start getting these confused. Uh, Barb Blow, uh, who I believe is out of Northern Wisconsin, took it down in uh, FA55. Congrats, Janice Jones, FA60. Uh, Patricia Patricia Nuprid Meals took it down in FA65. Patty Adams, FA70. Katie Chacher? Chacher? Uh, in Intermediate Women. Wait, where is she from? Um, She's from Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. <laughs> Why? I, 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 Did you think you knew who I was talking about? I thought I knew who you were talking about. I do not. You do not. Uh, Jillian Geiger, uh, one in Recreational Women. Caitlin Borgwart, who's from Milwaukee yes. and is... Uh, in, in- Engaged? Incredible. No, don't go there. Oh, this is going to get awkward, Agres. Dustin. Sorry, Dustin. <laughs> uh, Caitlin won. Congratulations, Caitlin. K-Bomb took it down, uh, which she did on the last round. Uh, Therese... Uh, Quavez? I, I know I heard it pronounced like six times and I still didn't get it. Uh, Therese Quavez in Junior 15 and Anthony Quavez, I hope I got them both right, in Junior Girls 10 and under. So I think I nailed all 19 sure. of those divisions, I, I believe. And so congratulations to all of them. Um, really awesome to see. Again, 19 divisions. 320, 318 is what it was officially listed as. Pretty cool, uh, for sure. Love it. Uh, real quick, I'm also going to say, if you are part of... Uh, if if you feel like you need to wake up in the morning and go to Twitter and uh, challenge the sexual identity of a 10-year-old girl playing at the U.S. Women's, you need to fuck yourself. Um, and I... I, I can't say that strong enough. It's so pathetic. Disheartening, sad, all of it. On so many levels. I'm, I just I can't say it strong enough. 
we can we can all have very valid conversations about transgender um, acceptance and identity and 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 competition. All of those are very real conversations that we absolutely need to have that are continuing. And I understand that's a large part of the voting for the PDGA. I understand it's very passionate about a lot of people, myself included. We can have all of those very civil, logical conversations, even though we're not all experts in HRT and and in testosterone and puberty and estrogen and genetics. I'm not claiming to be an ad- all of those conversations absolutely can and are happening and I'm 100% behind them happening. But if you are a piece of trash that feels like you need to go onto Twitter and challenge the sexual identity of a 10-year-old competing at the US Women's, I just don't know how you live with yourself. And and I sorry <laughs> to make this awkward for you Kelvin. Uh if you're sitting here listening, I just I saw it today um you know, whether you're calling out somebody by name or you're making assumptions because of the way someone's dressed or what their their nickname is, and you don't have the facts. That's even what's the most disgusting part is your your facts and your posts are inaccurate and therefore you're you're challenging the sexual identity of a ten year old girl. And I just cannot say it enough. Like it's it's absolutely disgusting. And Transgender conversations and inclusivity needs to happen, and I get all of that. We can have heated debates about that, but know what the F you're talking about when you think you're going to challenge a 10-year-old girl playing at an event. And I'm going to try and leave it there. So I was going to bring it up in the after show. Well, I don't that, care. I, we were, I was talking about the competitors playing, and um, it, was, it was a disgusting moment. And to not have the... Not, to not have the... Um, the decency to even apologize when you've been the way you've been about it. And, and everybody that's out there, you can figure it out. But yeah, I had to say it because it's just disgusting. All right. Mm. Go out and vote. Go. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I, that will segue for a brief moment. I know we talked about it this weekend. PDJ ballots are happening. We have board of directors. There's a lot of different, very legitimate conversations taking place. As I said, I encourage you to not only learn about our candidates and, and align with whoever you align with. I'm, I, I fully support all of that, whatever it might be, you know, be an educated voter. I would just beg of people, even though a conversation about transgender athletes within disc golf is a major topic of conversation right now, try to look past just that being your, your main single item agenda. I, I, I understand it's important to a lot of us for a lot of different reasons, even people that are 100%, 180 degrees opposing on it. I just say, look to these candidates. You can look for that, of course, and how you may align, but look for even more than that. There's there's more than literally one subject in all of, or one topic that is part of disc golf right now. So I would, I would beg of you to look into all of the things that make up the candidate that you want. You may agree on one item or disagree, but look at them entirely when you're making your votes as well. Sound good? And remember, you can find a lot of the interviews out on the PDGA's podcast. They they are releasing them. I think there's been... I don't know if all of them have been released, or it's about I, half of them. I think they've had opportunities, and, and I'm going to be the first to admit, uh, Cal, I know Calvin's doing this. 
I, tomorrow when I drive to Idlewild, any information that's out there about all of the candidates in terms of something that's downloadable, I'm going to download it all and listen to every single one of them. Um, I'm going to do that on my way to Idlewild because I'm going to have that time. Calvin already said he's downloading them all and listening to them when he flies over to Norway. You said that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I just said it <laughs> in my head. No, point. Let's, let's throw Calvin in no, the middle no, of this. I'm just saying, uh, but make an, edu- make an educated vote. That's, that's, that's obviously the ploy I'm making for. I don't care who you vote for. Just make it an educated vote, whatever that might be. So I will be downloading and listening to them all. I just vote whoever the shortest name. It's easiest that way. <laughs> wow. Just do, I, that's, I can't read them at me letters. I mean, come on. Or that, alphabetical. Sometimes that makes it easy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like, oh, well, lowest PDJ numbers. Got to be the rightest. Got to be the smartest person because they're mm. the oldest, right? Certainly not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, Calvin. Terry. If you could wave your magic wand... Oh God! <laughs> does this need to go into the after show? It, it doesn't. Uh, my, my, this is an honest question of uh, sprinkle some dust or wave a magic wand. What's like one thing that you think is very, very addressable or fixable within disc golf that you'd just love to see happen? I mean, it can be super high level or or, or intimate or you know superficial. But is there any one thing that you're like, ah, oh, it'd be cool if this was not a thing or this got addressed or this got fixed? Anything like off the top of your head? Anything off the top of my head? I mean, head. it could be as generic as like, oh, I wish uh, all the flight ratings were actually a unified system and that they were all adhering to, you know, one company or all adhering to one official standard as opposed to everyone having their own flight ratings. I mean, it could be as superficial as that. Is there anything? I just made that one up. Um... All yeah. teams are concrete. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, better... I don't know. I, I, I guess having different team services doesn't really bother me. But I I, I think the new Mando rule sucks. Okay. So I, I, I'd I like be- that to be addressed. And because redone. it's confusing or poorly worded or difficult or... W- yeah, there's only people that don't know what the new Mando rule is or understand how it functions... And I just don't I, I I don't really think like restricted flying area is a real like thing that can be judged most of the time, like from where someone's even like standing. Um we can obviously tell where a disc lands and whether that's inbounds or out of bounds, as long as that line's defined, which these days they're pretty clearly defined most of the time. There's a lot less controversies on that, I feel like, these days than there may have used to have been. But the whole restricted flying space, I don't know what random little issue that was trying to address, but I think it overcomplicated things. I don't like the new rule. Okay. Is there something... And you talk with a lot of the pros is is that something that's a uniform discussion are, are there other things that pros discuss w- would you like to see um on the pro tour even if it's not pdga related pro tour related is there something that that you guys are all kind of like man i really wish they they just did this or we wish they changed that is, is there anything out there like that for you guys because i know for a long time we saw like avery jenkins was very much dedicated to tee boxes and course things like that do you see anything like that on on tour 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, uh, we have our players groups where, uh, things are addressed as far as, um, you know, the people that are on tour can basically go to the, the people that are in charge and address issues and we can all kind of talk about them there. But, um, I don't think this Mando thing is necessarily on most people's care list. I, I think it's relatively tiny issue, but it was the first thing that came to my head that I thought was mm-hmm. kind of dumb. But, um, yeah, there's probably a lot more pressing issues that I can't think of at the moment that <laughs> probably uh, could do a lot more to change the game for the better. Um, but nothing's hitting me right now. Maybe a, maybe a single target on tour would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone has a different argument on what the best or... <laughs> the perfect target is so uh it's hard to really what what's your version and and it doesn't even have to be name brand specific but what's your version of a perfect target for you um my version of a perfect target is uh without naming any name brands or or name one i don't care um yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a decent amount of good targets out there. I, I think as far as targets, I, I think, like, the new MVP pass kit that we got to play on at OTB was pretty good. I still like disc catchers. Um, I still, I mean, there's a lot of good baskets. I guess I don't like baskets that, I don't like the mock X. I don't like baskets that you can throw it as hard as you want into. I don't think... Um, I don't. I don't think that's really the purpose. Like we're trying to throw it into the basket, not through the basket. Uh, speed control putting is already kind of an easier aspect of our sport. It's gotten easier in like, the last fifteen years because of the baskets. Yeah, um, and I mean, I don't think it's just because of baskets. I think people are also putting a lot more time in practicing. But, but, and and I'm not saying old baskets are the solution. Um, cause there was definitely some like randomness to what, whether or not putts can, uh, stick, you know, it's kind of what angle you're at, but I think a mock X kind of eliminates all kind of speed control from putting. And I think when you have like a pretty easy aspect of the game, like, I, I just don't think you can eliminate something like speed control. So I, I think basket, like uh, some thought needs to be put into like how heavy chains, need to be whether they're different weights on inside versus outside uh they can't be i I don't think they can be like these super dense cross patterns because it prevents someone that does launch it from like cutting through sometimes and i'm not saying like every time someone throws it super hard of the basket it shouldn't stick i'm just i i think it shouldn't always stick like i I just i think that i think speed control should be part of our putting game Mm -hmm. and the way baskets are slowly changing, it's not becoming a part, and that's why you're seeing people putt so hard. And I think it's kind of removing an element from putting, making it a little less dynamic. Um, but that's my take. Everyone has their own take on what a good basket is and what putting should be. But when, like, you're always just kind of throwing it through the air, as opposed to where golf, like, you're going over slopes and terrains, like, speed control is a thing for them, so... I think we should take something from their book and speed control should be a thing for us and it's a thing for them because the ball will just roll over the hole and in our case it might spit through or back at you 
Um, but some of the new baskets, that's like impossible to do. You throw it hard and hit the middle, and it stays in every time. Um, a side note to that, real quick. Shout out to Maria Oliva. She putts with some confidence, and she jams it in, and <laughs> yes, she made she a lot of, you know, circle two putts and and longer putts overall throughout the weekend. Her putting was was in my opinion just so fun to watch because and I don't think you know I'm not and I'm not trying to say that she throws it too hard uh, mm-hmm. or that any of those shouldn't stay in or anything like that I know that's kind of in this this conversation just in general though watching her putt with the confidence and with the velocity in which she put on like she's just not a timid putter uh at all and it was really a lot of fun to watch it in person this weekend like man she just jammed another one and it's funny watching it compared to own because own yeah, very much. is very much just it feels like all of her putts are about six millimeters over the top of the uh, basket. You can tell she probably learned to play on different style baskets, like you were saying. Some maybe some older baskets out on the west coast where you you couldn't hit them high or hard because there was a a, a higher percentage chance of them coming out the back or spitting out and turtling out the side or something, as opposed to just getting them over the the cage. But then again, when you get them over that, sometimes you run into the baskets with the nubs and you'll you'll get stopped with those or it'll catch the backside and flip you out. So it's just way different putting styles. Being down in Florida, a real quick question of that is, uh, were you were you primarily putting on chain stars and, and uh, maybe some Mach 3s and Mach 5s when you first started? Is that what you mostly found down in Florida when you started? Yep, that's pretty accurate. I think that's what... The baskets were um, local courses are are disc catchers now, but back when I started, I think they were whatever some version of the mock or disc catch or no, sorry, chain stars. All right. So one of the last questions we'll ask you in the regular show then is: There's always the the comments, and I know it it comes up especially a few weeks ago when we saw our AM Nationals champ and, and step putting. Jump putting is just a conversation that's arguably never going to go away. I feel like no matter what the rules or the iteration of the rules are, do you care about a circle one versus circle two identifier? Does 33 feet seem reasonable for circle one? Should there be different putting rules at 33 feet or 45 feet or 66 feet? Do you do you have any strong opinion about all of the putting and the, and the stances maybe that are that are taken? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, as long as the distance is defined, it doesn't really matter. I know some people want to push the circle back farther for people to jump putt, but like, is that just to make putting harder or it's not really going to solve the issue with jump putting is where like a lot of people are <laughs> mm-hmm. illegally putting, but it's impossible to call in real time. So, I mean, maybe pushing, I don't think pushing your back really solves the real issue of legal versus illegal putts but it would Mm -hmm. make putting harder i know a lot of people are much more confident you know throwing that step putt um just however they're able to get their body in a certain rhythm it just makes sense for them so that kind of ties into your speed control as well i mean usually i see a lot of step putters they're hitting it's because they get the extra momentum and they can hit harder into the chains so who's cheating when they putt (laughs) i'm i don't know (laughs) (laughs) all right I don't know. I, I also don't. I, I also don't think it's necessarily the same person every time they jump putt. Sometimes it's it just depends. But, yeah. Uh, but I, I think there's plenty of times where like you can obviously roll back tape and you see people illegally jump putt. 
but like it's they, sometimes it's super close other times it's not even really that close but but like regardless all of it's so fast and it's super hard to like actually call it in real time mm-hmm. um and like to call it you have to basically be certain that it happens so and that's the problem i have with the rule we've talked about this numerous times just if it's a rule that everyone kind of knows is being broken but you, there's no way to call it and it's a bad rule yeah, I mean, you you can't verify. It. Do you, do you feel as if step putting versus jump putting, because step putting, let's be let's be real, has become far more common in the last couple of years. It originally it was like literally like two people, and then it continued. Now it's it's certainly yeah. picked up by a lot more people. Do you feel like step putting or jump putting are, are there just as many, um, you know, uh, violations on one or the other? Or do you feel like eh? Like eighty percent of step putts aren't aren't legal, and at least ten percent of jump putts aren't legal. Do you do you have a distinction? I don't. I don't think I have a distinction. Um, I mean, there's definitely some very interesting photos of people jump putting, <laughs> where they, uh-huh. like where it's super obvious. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I feel like it would probably be easier to to have a stance violation on a jump putt than like a step putt. Okay. But there are definitely plenty of violations on step putts where sometimes it's it's not the the back foot. It's sometimes people sometimes have their front foot down mm-hmm. before they putt. Other times it's the front foot's not down but the back foot's up. So like it's not even necessarily a consistent thing and it's like you can't even just like solely look at the the foot on the marker because yeah, sometimes like the foot is behind the marker but the foot in front of the marker is on the ground as well. Mhm. Yeah, I, I feel like we've seen it all in some iteration or another. Well, thanks to Ricky Wysocki, the Cincinnati Reds did officially go on to win tonight, so we'll put that time stamp on it. They won. Does he won. get the W in the Yep, in Ricky the gets the W. The, the Saki bomb gets the W. Uh, the Reds beat the Mets 1-0 to zero tonight. And they did it in the bottom of the ninth. All right, making it, uh, making it all worthwhile. All right, I think we can close out the regular show, unless there's any other... Uh, We'll talk significant or pressing news, but other than that, it's probably going to be insights and BS from Calvin. Insights. I mean, uh, didn't we just get that? (laughs) No. Um, No, there's only one other thing we'll talk about in the after show. It's regarding the Disc Golf Pro Tour and this weekend's broadcast. Okay. Well, I guess we'll do that. Well, guys, uh, I'm going to continue to keep an eye. If if Haley still it happens to be around and does uh, want to join, I'm guessing it's it's already midnight on the Eastern time zone. So if she did make it there, she's probably called it a night, or maybe she's already called it a night and stopped off somewhere else to rest. So um, hopefully we can get on another time. Similarly, uh, I did reach out to Jenny Sanfilippo, one of the biggest. FPO, not FPO, just women's disc golf promoters that we have in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, she grace, graciously said that she would join us some night. Uh, tonight wasn't going to work out, uh, and we had a, a little mixed uh, schedule work the way it did. So we're going to have her on some night very soon as well. As we know, WGE, the, the women's global event, is going to be coming up almost in exactly a month. So I'd love to hear a little perspective from Jenny, who runs Ladies First, who you heard mentioned a few times this weekend. Uh, we're just one of the greatest women promoters that we have out there. She happens to also be right here in Wisconsin. So we'll catch up with her sometime soon. So I wanted to throw that out there. So we're going to close it out on a regular show for now. 
Uh, Tim says, is the Smashbox giveaway tonight around with Calvin? <laughs> yes. Uh, we, he is. He's giving you a free lesson in Norway. All you got to do is get yourself there, and you get a free lesson with Calvin. Is it a disc golf lesson? Is it a hiking lesson? Is it a, a photography lesson? Maybe identifying bugs? There's a lot of different things Calvin can do. What? What is it, Terry? Whatever you, it'll be, Calvin's choice. Oh, it's a surprise. Sorry, so. I, I I didn't realize I I didn't put this I didn't realize I put this prize up. So yeah, sorry, I figured I figured it was defined. By uh, no, you just have to get yourself to Norway, and uh, he'll he'll give you the lesson. Although uh, for tonight, I'll say I'll give everybody about another ten minutes to sign up for Patreon because we got a lot of options for giveaways tonight. We do. We do. We have. Maybe we can give away a Calvin Heinberg signed destroyer. What? Yeah, right wow. out of my stash. Dang. I have got a signed disc from all the celebrities at the Celebrity Program. So maybe we'll give that away tonight. Or we have. Tell them what they've won. A disc member box that just came in the mail today. So uh, we'll get maybe some votes on the board to see what yeah. we want to give away tonight. One Either of these way, items. We're going big. Calvin Heinberg's in the house. All right, we're closing out 410's regular show for Johnny V, Calvin Heinberg, and myself. We're going to have some more uh, senseless banter and chit-chat in the after show. We'll see you then when you step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashboxtv. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.